What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Weekenders. This is the show where we talk about the most exciting football games of the weekend. I'm Max. I'm being joined by Lexi and Bobby uh, today, and we're going to talk about um, some exciting changes in the college football playoff rankings due to a wild weekend in football. We'll talk NFL, of course, and uh, there's just so much going on as we ramp up towards the final week of the college football season, and then you have conference championships and all that fun stuff. So things are getting pretty real in the college football ranks and um, a little interesting in the NFL as well. So uh, let's start off with um, reacting to the college football playoff rankings, which uh, came out. And I don't think we saw any major um, surprises, but the one thing that did shake up the rankings this week was, of course, the Pac-12 um, not being able to uh, – how do I put this? Um, this is why the <laughs> Pac-12 can't have anything nice um, because of what we saw last weekend with Oregon losing to Washington, who's a, a good team, but, you know, obviously uh, was was very unexpected, especially um, happening at Oregon. And then, uh, of course, uh, UCLA losing at home to Arizona. So two big upsets led to some shakeup in the rankings. Um, but Alexi, I'll, I'll let you chime in first. What kind of stands out to you about uh, this week's version of the college football playoff rankings? You know, I, I think it's just going to keep riding out this way until someone loses or until Michigan and Ohio State play each other. Um, I will say, like, outside of that, I think LSU at six is an absolute – just monstrosity like that shouldn't even be (laughs) legal to have them that high but uh you know outside of those top four I mean you know they're gonna do whatever they can to to prop up the SEC but you know Michigan hasn't proved to be any better than Ohio State or Georgia yet so I think everything is just how it should be they are better than TCU in my opinion so until TCU loses or Michigan loses I think that should stay the same yeah, I, I think they have the the top four right. I think they have that pretty spot on. You know, obviously, as you get down, you know, the two-loss LSU team, um, not a great performance on the road to a uh, K.J. Jefferson-less uh, Arkansas team. That was um, a little odd. And then, uh, obviously, them rating Alabama as high as they do is also a little odd. But ultimately, those things don't matter. Uh, I think we're on a march for, you know, the winner of the SEC, if it's Georgia, the winner of the Big Ten, if, you know, Ohio State or Michigan, and then uh, TCU's in if they went out. And I think that's what it kind of boils down to. Um, not a lot of surprises, but, um, you know, I, I, I think any frustration comes from the discourse, the way it's covered, the way it's being debated. I think TCU's getting disrespected, but ultimately those opinions don't matter, and they're just here to get clicks on uh, a, a certain network's um, social media channel and a, a lot of replies and all that. And I, ultimately, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I, th- I think, for example, I think TCU is fine. And I think Michigan and the winner of Michigan, Ohio State is fine. So that's what it's that's what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, I think we I mean, the top four, like no one really expected that to change. We talked about TCU sort of being on, um, like, this was their moment. This was like their Clemson moment. It's like, it's like the do or die. Like, okay, you're in the top four now. You have a game at Texas. Like, if you win, everyone shuts up about TCU being at four. If you lose, then, you know, you get the Clemson treatment. You're, you know, relegated to whatever 
you know, spot. And now, like, we move on to whoever the next team is, probably Tennessee being in that spot. Um, I tend to agree, like, like LSU um, at six, Alabama at eight. Like, that's that's probably where um, I have a little bit of disagreement. But overall, like, um, you know, things shifted as expected again based on what we saw um, in the Pac-12. Um, interestingly, I'll, you know, because we're not talking about the game um, in detail, but I will say that we have um, Oklahoma State now ranked, um, and I that's interesting going into Bedlam uh, this week where now, uh, <laughs> like, no one would have expected at the beginning of the season Oklahoma State to be ranked <laughs> at this point and not Oklahoma, but <laughs> there we go. How does that it, feel? It doesn't happen often. Uh, this, the last time this happened was in 2009. Uh, Sam Bradford... Uh, got hurt early, and Landry Jones had to come in, save the season. It didn't really work that well, but in Bedlam, OU registered a shutout. So, uh, shutout like a top 10 ranked Oklahoma State team in Norman. So, hopefully history replays itself. I'm not confident, though. Um, this team is frustrating, and if you want to listen to it, uh, which most of y'all probably don't care, you can find it on uh, the Schooner Pod. There's plenty of stuff about that, but... Uh, yeah, overall, OU is completely irrelevant in the national discussion, sadly. Yeah, um, and I, I guess one more thing that I'll, I want to get your guys' opinion on. Um, I mean, right now, a lot of people are talking about, it's still early, so a lot of people are talking about certain scenarios. Um, I mean, is there a world where, like, I mean, for for me, I think if TCU, Michigan, or Ohio State, um, like, loses at any point, you know, I feel like Tennessee, if they went out, should get their spot um, in the top four. Um, A lot of people would say maybe a USC team that that wins out uh, should, should jump Tennessee or maybe even LSU if they happen to be Georgia. Um, in the, in the, in the world where, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, or TCU does, um, lose a game, which one of those three teams would you, do you feel like, uh, would deserve that to, to replace, you know, a spot, uh, you know, for whoever the loser is, if, assuming that they went out? Well, Sorry if that was like confusing. Who does TCU? <laughs> like, who so, does TCU have left? So TCU has uh, Baylor this weekend, Iowa State at home, and then um, they'll rematch somebody in the Big Twelve Championship. We yeah. don't know. It could be Texas. Could be whoever. Yeah, I mean, if you if, if a Michigan team only has a loss to Ohio State, or Ohio State only has a loss to Michigan, but then TCU loses out to one of those teams next, I mean. I would say the only reason, only like difference would be just like the loss or, you know, if they lost in the big 10, 12 conference championship. But I think that a loss against Michigan or Ohio state is far better of a loss than, than what TCU would be capable of if they did lose one on the rest of the way out, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So So, let me, let me, let me present it this way. Um, Let's, let's take, let's say like, cause it's, cause again, 
like Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, right? Like, let's just say um, one of Ohio State or Michigan, you know, one of them beats the other. I guess what I'm asking is, does Tennessee deserve that spot? Or would it be LSU or USC? And again, this is the scenario that USC wins the rest of their games, which means they beat UCLA, Notre Dame, and win the Pac-12. LSU wins the rest of their games, meaning they would win the SEC championship over Georgia. And then Tennessee would win the rest of their games. They're not going to be a conference champion, but, you know, they still have all those good wins with their own loss being to, to, to Georgia. Like, which which one of those three teams, Tennessee, LSU, or USC, do you feel like should take the spot of a Ohio State, Michigan, or TCU if they lose? Okay, I got you now. Yeah, all right. I see what you mean. I, yeah. I see yeah. what you mean. So I, I would think, you know, out, out of those, it would be USC. You know what I'm saying? Because that – to winning out and, and and what they've done, LSU's already lost. You know, dropped those two those two games, and and you know, I just don't think that they are. I think the way they're ranked right now is just to help you know whatever else in the SEC tournament. But if USC wins out and wins the Pac-12, um, you know, those are going to be impressive wins, especially out of UCLA this weekend and so forth. So uh, I, I'd say USC to get that last spot. Not sure how that that'd be how it play out, but that's my opinion. I. As much as I hate to say it, I don't think there is any keeping out. I don't think there's any way you can keep out a two-loss SEC champion, even with the losses. LSU at that point would have gone through a really, really tough schedule, would have beaten Georgia, essentially in Georgia, well, at the Georgia, not Dome anymore, it's Mercedes-Benz, <laughs> Mercedes you know what I mean? Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, they would have beaten Tennessee, or no, they wouldn't have beaten Tennessee at all, never mind. Uh, but they would have beaten Alabama. So I, I think you can't keep out the SEC champion, unfortunately. And I think it would become a really, really intriguing conversation then, essentially, of I think you put Georgia in, depending on how, how the loss is. And I think you put – I think you consider that one-loss Tennessee team. I think it, it comes down to – the amount of hypotheticals are unreal, but I do not think it is outside of reality um, – that we get three SEC teams in. And frankly, I, I just looking at it, I think a one loss Georgia team where their only loss was to that really hot LSU team in the SEC championship. And then that one loss Tennessee team uh, whose only loss was in Athens. Theoretically, I think both of those are more appealing resumes than a one loss Michigan, just because of the rest of the body of work. Um, and granted, you know, it, it depends on how the game goes, how that, how the, I, I don't know. Like if Michigan gets blown out at the shoe, then yeah, for sure. If it's a close game, then it's, I think a closer debate, but right now where I see it, I think the two sec teams, hypothetical one losses and, and then obviously the uh, two loss sec champion um, might have better resumes at that point, but it's, it's tricky. It is tricky. Um, and ultimately, thankfully, we're going to have a 12-team playoff where we don't have to have these tough conversations. That's just like what I can't wait for because it's just not fair. It just isn't. You even think about like a one-loss Georgia team and they lose the one loss to LSU who already had two losses, but then Michigan loses to Ohio State. Let's say Ohio State loses to Michigan. I mean, that's like a better loss than against LSU, you know? So it's just – it's it's so SEC-ridden and I hate it. So I just cannot wait for this expansion, but, you know. Gotta talk. We gotta talk about all weekend. So. Yeah, 
they'll find a way to stick Alabama in there too. Just make it an <laughs> SEC invitational. But no, in, in terms, I, 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 I will say I don't think USC really they need some dominoes to fall. I think in order to slip into this thing, I think a one loss uh, TCU is more appealing than them at that point, especially if they win the Big Twelve. Um, just based off strength of the record, they're actually right now. I believe uh, I, I I can't remember the the speci- I, I sound like an idiot here because I don't remember the uh, specific stats here, but I promise you, there's a tweet. Um, they have the they they currently have the strongest strongest strength of record and strength of schedule um, in the college football. Believe it or not, which yeah. is kind of wild. So. Yeah, I have it right in front of me here for you, Bobby. Don't worry. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I, I am your proverbial man in the chair. Um, but no, uh, yeah, so TCU does have the strongest uh, strength of record. Um, uh, yeah, of, of the like top four in, 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 in FBS. Um, strongest strength of re- record and um, strength of schedule. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Strongest strength of record, and then um, their their chance uh, of making the playoff. Um, it's actually oh, it's actually pretty low, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, still, so yeah, it shouldn't good. be though. Yeah, which is it, wild. Yeah, it's crazy, it, but it, it's, it's based it, on the the yeah. Sagarin poll, by the way, uh, yeah. and ESPN both. Uh, both pretty legitimate. You know, Sagarin used to be part of the computer um, makeup of the BCS. So, yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, yeah, definitely lots to lots to. Um, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but yep. definitely, um, you know, interesting to see what will happen. Um, and obviously another week of football will make things a lot clearer. But we'll move on to um, we're about to talk a lot of Pac-12 um, today. So buckle up, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Um, first game we're going to discuss is USC and UCLA. Um, that is at the Rose Bowl. Um, but I can almost, uh, guarantee up to my last dollar that that will be a USC home game, (laughs) uh, like based on the crowd. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, tough game. These two teams probably expected this to be higher stakes, but unfortunately, like we mentioned before, UCLA did fall to Arizona, unfortunately. Very tough loss for them. They were headed in the right direction. They had some good uh, – they had a pretty good resume. But I guess we can start there. I mean, how will UCLA respond to a loss like that coming into this game? Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, Lexi, you go ahead. You got this. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, their their chances of this this playoffs are, are are pretty much gone at this point. But you know, they still have the option of doing you know the Rose Bowl if if they if they do continue out and win out, don't they? Right. That's correct. So yeah. you know, they still have a, they still have something to fight for. You know, and what better not you know to spoil USC? You know, they're one of their rivals. So um, I just think that they're going to come out strong and they're going to come out kind of pissed off and and you know even though it might be a home crowd I just feel like Cali, Cali fans are just so whatever you know <laughs> that uh but I just I, I don't know I think that they're gonna come out strong and take down USC I mean I'd be pissed off too and but it's just what they're gonna make work with it 
Yeah, no, I, I think they come out strong to this one. And I think there is an argument to be made that maybe there's a little bit of a look ahead against Arizona. You know, um, the, the Wildcats had a pretty solid comeback. It wasn't like uh, UCLA was just like straight up beaten throughout. They just kind of looked flat. They looked bad. And look, I know USC is, uh, you know, they're they're the thing. They're the hot topic. They're number, you know, they're number one in LA. I agree with that. But UCLA is coming out for this one. They have 16,700 student tickets sold. The largest student section in UCLA history for this one. And technically it's a sellout, even though uh, most of, some of the seats are going to be tarped. So um, counting the tarps, uh, not a seat in the house. So that's pretty big. Um, but naturally, th this rivalry always goes back and forth. And in any rivalry game, you never really know what's going to happen. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I think UCLA gives them their best shot. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and I think, like, you know, even Vegas knows that, right? I mean, USC is favored by one and a half. Pretty much a pick them. Like, you know, definitely going to be a tough game. And, and let's, be, let's be honest about USC for one second. Like, they've played a lot of opponents close um, that, like, obviously a, a team that you would – that you think of as a top ten team would probably dominate. Now – Let's add the context that, you know, this is still a little bit remnants of a USC team that last year was four and eight, um, which makes what Lincoln Riley and that team with Caleb Williams and everything is, is so um, is is so special. It's what's why, you know, uh, Caleb Williams is in the Heisman conversation. I get it. I, I understand, um, but you know they have looked vulnerable pretty much all year. Um, you know, and so this is not a spot where, you know, this is not going to be an easy game for either team. I mean, that, that's just, that's just what it is. So, uh, like Bobby, you kind of mentioned like USC is the flavor of the week, but like by no means is anybody necessarily expecting them to just like, you know, take care of business huge. This is probably the worst case scenario for the Trojans because you're not, you're now playing against a pissed off UCLA team that hundred percent wants to spoil your season because, you know, they let, they let themselves down in a big way last week. So uh, this is a, a I, I would be nervous if I was a, a USC fan. Um, Travis died. The, the star running back for them obviously goes down. Um, Obviously, Caleb Williams is amazing, but having a good running back as Lexi, you know, like that's invaluable uh, to a team. Ex Michigan so, man, what, what, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's his What's his injury gonna? How's that gonna affect USC? I mean, that's. I mean, that's. Like, that's what I say. It's gonna be a huge effect because now you got you don't have a running game to match UCLA's with Charbonnet. So um, it's just, I think losing him is a huge thing because not even that. Yeah, Caleb Williams is good, but UCLA is real, a pretty good pass rush. So that's going to be tested. And now you don't have that backup running game, which, you know, as a mission fan, I can attest, is everything, especially in conference play, especially in those, those fights in the trenches against rivals. You need a running game. So, you know, take it from me that losing that is not going to be good for USC. Um, and I think we're going to see that on the other side of the ball. 
yeah, no, without a doubt, uh, losing Travis Dye is massive. Um, because it makes USC more one-dimensional than they already were, which is very, uh, um, which is saying something. Because, look, I think there's an argument that Caleb Williams might be the most valuable player in college football. What he has done for this team is, <laughs> is unreal. Um, he papers over so, so many of your issues with his ability to make plays, with his ability to extend a play. And he he's really good. I've 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 always said that he is he is very, very good. But the more and more you chip away at what that USC team is, you know, the more and more you take away guys like, you know, Jordan Addison, even though he's back, uh, was a l- little bit limited against Colorado, but they didn't really need him anyways. Um, and now taking away die, uh, it hurts. So I, I think this is going to be a real struggle on USC in that offense, um, you know, losing a dynamic playmaker like that. Um so, I don't know. It, 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 the weight on Caleb Williams' shoulders just uh, just got quite a bit heavier. Yeah, 100%. Let's, let's take that a step further. Um, because now uh, it's you have the pressure on, obviously, Caleb Williams. Um, and the quarterback on the other side as well, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson of UCLA. Um, but also the coaches – so, in this situation, with all things considered, both teams facing adversity um, in this situation, who do you guys trust more in the situation, Lincoln Riley or Chip Kelly? This is tricky because, I, you know what, I'm going to say it. I, I, I take Chip Kelly. Um, I think... I think Chip is, you know, obviously a seasoned veteran coach, so is Lincoln at this point, but... Even though this is the first time USC and UCLA have met up, this is the third time Chip Kelly's coaching against Lincoln Riley as a head coach. Um, and, you know, frankly, it frankly, the issue isn't really quite Lincoln. It's the defense. Um, even though, you know, Speed D and what Alex Grinch has put together there is really good. It has been an absolute liability uh, in terms of um in terms of scoring defense, they're just numbers have been put up on them. 35 against Cal, 37 against Arizona, 42 against Utah. Um, and frankly, Chip Kelly is a better master offensive mastermind than any of those guys, uh, whoever's at those, at those staffs. So if USC cannot turn the ball over, if they cannot generate turnovers, it's going to be a massive issue for, for them. So frankly, I, I trust Chip Kelly to out Fox, Lincoln's defensive coordinator and that defensive scheme. Um, in terms of what Lincoln can put up on a USC or UCLA uh, defense, I'm not really concerned about that. I think I think Caleb is going to get his pound of flesh. But in terms of coaching, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go chip. I'm gonna go chip. Lexi, uh, we know how talented Caleb Williams is, but Dorian Thompson Robinson is. Very talented. He was in the Heisman conversation as well for a long time in the season. And he's extremely experienced. So, again, with the adversity on both sides, the, the stakes and what they are, who do you trust more in this situation, Caleb or DTR? You know, like, like you know, Bobby said, Caleb is a great player. But in a game that I think that is going to need to be won in the trenches and and, and, and in it, I, I'm going to trust that veteran who, who has the experience with this team. I'm also going to trust Chip Kelly because he's got this, these guys bought in. 
So they're like, they're, you know, the, yeah, they dropped one to Arizona and kind of slipped up, but like they've been a really tight knit, knit team all year. So it's, it, you know, I'm taking that and the fact that, you know, you got a, a veteran in, in him. So uh, definitely over Caleb. But I think Caleb will make those flashy moves and, and keep USC in this as long as they can. But, you know, I'm taking the, the experience in this one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like like we said, USC is minus one and a half over under 75. I love um, I love UCLA in, the, in this spot. I just think, again, the Trojans just got – just got a bad just, just sometimes it's not necessarily the team it's when you play them and i think like this is just a bad time to play a team like like UCLA with Chip Kelly and the way he coaches that team the experience of DTR you're missing Travis Dye it's just too much i think for this USC team who's played well but played on the fringes i think it's too much i think i'm going to take um, I think I'm going to take UCLA. What about you guys? Yeah, Actually, I got you. Go yeah, I got UCLA in this. I think that, uh, like I said, the running game is going to go off. The pissed off, you know, veteran quarterback Chip Kelly. It's just all it's all in the cards for UCLA this weekend. Yeah, I like I like the Bruins here as well. I think they're more dynamic than USA USC. I think they're more complete than USC. Um, and especially with USC and their injury issues, I I think this thing's I think this thing could get ugly. Um, maybe not too ugly, but uh, we I don't know. I I I could see this being the the final thing that kind of pulls the house of cards out on this uh, USC team. Yeah. One one more note, and then we'll move on. USC has been com- extremely lucky uh, with turnovers. They lead the nation in turnover turnover differential. At plus eighteen, which is absolutely insane, um, I think a lot of that is 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 just you know things going in their favor, um, and so we'll see if turnovers become the um, the uh, the wild card. We'll say in the in this game, but USC completely really really lucky with turnovers this year. Um, so let's let's move on to the next Pac twelve game. We're going to talk about. Uh, and it's Utah at Oregon, um, top 12 matchup, Utah at 10, Oregon at 12. Again, maybe not the situation that both teams felt like they would be in coming into this game. Um, so let's touch on that. I mean, who's, whose loss was more dis- disappointing? Uh, Utah losing to Florida, knowing what Florida is now, <laughs> Or uh, Oregon losing to Washington last week. I think it has to be. It has to be Oregon losing to Washington at home. Well, first yeah. of all, like I said, it's at it, it was at home at Autzen Stadium. That's not a game you're supposed to lose. Uh, and especially with how they've been trending, it's 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 wild. At least with Utah and Florida, um, you know, it's a it's a road game. The swamp is as intimidating as it gets. Quite possibly the opposite of playing at home in Autzen, and. You know, it's it's game one. You don't really know what you're going to see. It takes a little bit of time to, you know, warm everything up. I don't think anyone's really at their best in game one for the for the most part. So, yeah, I, w- without a doubt, it's washing. It's that uh, really bad Washington loss for you, uh, Oregon. Yeah, I mean, and this is just because this is so late in the season where that loss happened. You know, in the beginning when kind of you know 
you're trying to still figure out everything. So this Oregon team had things figured out. They were doing good. And yeah, this is definitely the more disappointing loss. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Washington is a good team. They are ranked, uh, you know, they've been sort of in the mix uh, all year. I think they had a, a, like a weird loss as well earlier in the year that sort of took them off track. Um, Michael Penix Jr. has been playing well all season. I don't think this is like necessarily that bad of an upset for Oregon. I think Florida just as bad as they've been. Like Utah's got to be kicking themselves and wishing they had won that game. But um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Oregon had all the momentum, came down to just a few plays in the end. That's got to sting for them. Um, so Utah's coming in playing pretty good defense. We know what Oregon's offense is. Um, you know, Bo Nix, for the most part, has kind of revitalized his career and played well. Um, but which unit do you guys think has the, will have the edge in this game, the, the defense of Utah uh, traveling or uh, Oregon's offense? <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's tricky. Yeah, I don't, I don't really even know what to pick here, so I'm just going to, like, eeny, meeny, money mow it because I think both are kind of – um, you know, been good when they need to, but not been so good when they, you know, also need to. So, um, you know, I, I think just the home team here. <laughs> like, oh, it's tricky because we we still haven't really seen bad Bo Nix, but you know he's uh, he's he's been iffy. You know, like uh, okay, offensively it makes. It's a very weird choice to uh, bring out your backup on fourth and one, which happened with Oregon, lost in the game. But at the same time, it felt kind of fluky. I, I, I feel like Washington is a solid offense. Penix Jr. has been good ever since that weird little blip in the middle of the season where they lost to, which we know now to be a very good UCLA team. And then Arizona State, which is very well, that's a bad loss. So I, I don't. I, I think you are right on that point you made earlier, Max. Uh, that upset isn't as horrible as it looks, but at the same time, you know, defensively, you know, can can Oregon kind of stop? Or can, can they out? Can they do enough to stop Utah to win this game? And I think they kind of can. I, Utah's offense has been a disappointment. Uh, disappointment for me. Cam Rising isn't as good. Uh, Utah defense is pretty solid. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Bonex, I. I think is going to torch them. We we've seen it in previous games when they've gone up against highly powered offenses. Uh, Utah, for example, fa- facing UCLA got torched facing USC got torched, but one. Uh, and I think they'll get torched again against, uh, against an Oregon team that like UCLA this week is pretty pissed off. Yeah. It's definitely a strength on strength matchup. Like you, uh, Oregon leading the pack 12 in yards, um, but Utah leading the pack 12 in guards allowed i think it's really tough for defense to travel especially in college football um so this is just a spot where if it's at utah maybe you have a little bit more faith in utah's defense to stand up you made a great point though about how they have allowed some high-powered offense to to how they've allowed some high-powered offenses to just um you know dominate them but um yeah at, at, at home you know, Oregon also is pissed off. They should feel pretty comfortable. Um, and and I, I would give the, the edge to Oregon's offense in the situation. Um, they're favored by three, though, so uh, definitely 
we're expecting a close game. Um, well, Vegas is expecting a close game. Over under 62. Who do you guys think comes out with a victory? I'll just quickly go ahead and give my answer. I think it's going to be Oregon. I like Oregon in a bounce back as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. The same type of UCLA thing, like pissed off about some loss. I'm going into this, going to win it. 100%. Let's move on to the next game. Um, this is a critical Big Ten matchup, um, Illinois at Michigan. Now, this one's interesting because I looked at Illinois and Michigan and I looked at Ohio State at Maryland. And I think those are both, I think those can be trap games for Michigan and Ohio State, mainly because both teams have to avoid looking ahead to the next week, um, which is obviously, you know, their game. But you also have a very good Illinois team who is, who's been ranked for most of this year. Um, coming into Michigan, who playing great defense. Um, and then uh, with Ohio State, you're going on the road to Maryland, um, you know, which has been pretty fr- frisky as well. So I picked Illinois, Michigan, because I think there's the stakes are a bit higher with um, the, pa- the, big, the Big Ten West trying to figure out who will go to the championship. If Michigan takes care of business, this could be a preview of the Big Ten championship. So um, let's let's get into it. Uh, trap game, pack watch game, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> Lexi, give us the give us the scoop. Is this yeah. a trap game from Michigan to you? So I know Illinois has like you know a great rate defense, but you know let's be real, they also play the Big Ten West, which is one of the worst conferences in football. So that like doesn't you know worry me. Um, yes, we, we can't be looking ahead. Michigan can't be looking ahead, but, um, I just see this being as similar to Nebraska. I'm going to be honest. I just watched Illinois lose to Michigan state. So like, forgive me for not thinking that they're an elite squad anymore. Um, you know, and I think Michigan's just past this point now, culturally, like, and like just mentally and physically of not shooting themselves in the foot for these like petty games like this. They're going to take care of business. It's at home. It's senior day. Um, you know, last game, home game of the season. I think that this is just going to be a very vanilla offense blowout. But, you know, it's padding those stats for Blake Corum's Heisman. So that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I, I don't – I wouldn't – the way I put it is it's a trap game, but for the spread. Because I, I, I don't I don't think Michigan will cover 18 here. I think they're good enough to cover 18. I just don't see it this time. Because um, Illinois likes to muck it up. But at the same time, I don't really see them winning this game at all. The past two weeks have been brutal. You know, their losses to Michigan State and Purdue. I just, I don't see them making this a serious competition. Um, but I also don't see Michigan really wanting to, you know, do anything more than they need to do and, they just mm-hmm. kind of wrap, wrap a bow on this one and move on to the game. So well, that's you know, kind of my thoughts on it. It's Chase Brown was out. So I don't know if he is going to be back. So if they're like, if their, you know, main running back is going to be out too, maybe expect that spread to, to, to be it. But um, it, it looks like he's trending in the right direction, but it's still not solid on if he's going to play on Saturday. Yeah. So th- obviously that, yeah, that's a massive deal for them. But I, I don't think that's – I. I think that obviously would help Illinois a lot, but I just mm-hmm. really, it, 
it's an uphill battle against this Michigan team for really anybody in the Big Ten West or anybody not named Ohio State. So, I'll say this for the especially at the big house. Yeah, I'll say this for the trap game thing. Like, this is at Michigan, and I think if if Michigan, the best interest for Michigan is like make this game be over as quickly as possible. Like go into halftime, like up three touchdowns or something like don't like, that's you know, not don't how the team... works, Max. I wish it was, <laughs> but it's not. And it drives me crazy. Like roll nope. up the score. <laughs> <laughs> go for the jugular. Yeah. No, this no. feels very Maryland. I don't too know humble I, about yeah. it. It's like, damn it. Put your foot on their neck and don't let up. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, this has to be one where I feel like they just, you know, try try to 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 make it, you know, try to try to get as as like don't let Illinois hang around. I I think um, the quicker you can sort of, you know, take care of your op- opponent and you know hold the game to a reasonable margin and, and move on, I think the the better it'll be, um, you know, because you don't want anything close to a close game. I don't, I don't think uh, for a lot of reasons. Now uh, in terms of the big 10 West, um, I think that's up in the air. Does it really matter that much? Uh, You know, probably not necessarily for um, the big 10 championship, but right now um, Illinois has a sliver of a chance um, at 12% Purdue's at, at a 50% chance uh, to win the division. Um, so it's still up in the air, but uh, Lexi, who do you think ends up winning the, the Big Ten West? You know, I think it's going to be Illinois just because everyone else is not good by any means. And, and they've been – I mean, they've been up and down. I thought Purdue was for sure going to be coming through this conference this year, and they just totally shit the bed too. So, um, you know – I don't know if it's a draw, whoever it's going to be, but it's more than likely going to be Illinois, and it'll be a blowout to whoever plays them from the East in the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> yeah, I, man, this is a mess. I don't really know. Um, <laughs> because Purdue doesn't – Purdue started off a little shaky, but you know, kind of was pretty good in the middle. And then, I, I, look, I, I don't trust a team that gave up 24 points to Iowa. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> So I don't really know. I, I guess by proxy, Illinois. Uh, I mean, we have there are what four, four and three teams tied for the lead. It's a it's a total mess. So yeah. Well, I was gonna say don't. I mean, don't rule out Iowa either. Iowa has even better odds than Illinois as well. They're at twenty six and a half percent. So um, Iowa could definitely get there. I mean, Illinois. You know. Um, Illinois, Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota are all tied at four and three in the conference. Um, Minnesota as well. Um, their path is not that bad. They'd have to beat. Uh, they'd have to beat um, Iowa and Iowa Wisconsin at home, and then Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, Iowa has Minnesota, Nebraska. Illinois has Michigan, and then uh, Northwestern. So, I don't know. This this looks like it'll certainly be a race to the finish in that division. Um, More like a slow crawl, but yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously this is two good defenses. 
Um, Michigan and Illinois are first and second in points allowed in yards allowed respectively in the FBS. Um, we'll see how the running back situation affects um, this game, especially, you know, Chase Brown is, you know, out of the game. That's going to be a big loss for Illinois, obviously. But um, I don't I don't think we any of us are predicting that Illinois will win this game. I think Michigan takes care of business here. Me too. And if they yes. don't in the first half, they're <laughs> damn sure in the second half. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see for sure. I, I, I think what I'll be paying attention to is like the way this game goes because I think um, this is one where like. If Michigan, like for and again, like with the context of looking at Michigan and Ohio State this weekend, I I think like both teams need to win with style points in order to help their case for whoever loses next week. So there's like a lot of you know factors, um, you know, in in both of their no games this week too, but um, should be interesting. Should be an interesting game for sure. Um, all right, well that is college football this week. Um, lots to we'll keep our eye on a lot, a lot of stuff um, hanging in the balance in that realm. We're gonna move on to the NFL. Talk about a couple games here. Um, we got Cowboys at Vikings. Vikings won a thriller against Buffalo. Um, the Cowboys lost um, in dramatic fashion against the Packers, as the Cowboys tend to do. <laughs> um, they will go to Minnesota for the Sunday 425 game. Uh, Cowboys favored by one and a half over this Vikings team who has been hot this year. Um, the Cowboys are getting to the quarterback. Um, number one in sacks. Kirk Cousins does have has had pretty good success against Dallas in his career. But my first question, I mean, looking at um, the Cowboys this year, uh, you know, we saw the mistakes sort of at the end of the game that led to Cowboys losing against Green Bay. Like, um, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, Dak is mid <laughs> And I don't think we've ever talked about Dak specifically on this show. I actually think Dak and Kirk Cousins are not too far from each other on the <laughs> quarterback ladder. To to be to be completely honest, like mm-hmm. that's uh, fair. How do you? Yeah, tell me how you guys feel about that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that I think that Kirk is not that good either. I just think that he's got some incredible talent right now. Um, and they're playing out of their minds. So it's kind of just like they're on this roll and nothing's going to stop him. But, I mean, if you kind of pull apart and peel back the layers, they're almost the same quarterback, uh, you know, just with what they're working with right now. Yeah. Kirk, like, for me, just feels like a guy who just has, pardon my language, but uh, a horseshoe up his ass. He just finds a way to make things happen. And it's... um I don't know. He just has, he just has this energy and it's, is he good? 
probably maybe not in the standard way, but he finds a way. And, you know, I, you keep thinking like, when's it going to stop? When's it going to stop? And I mean, him and the bills looked pretty dead last week or him against the bills looked pretty dead last week. And then look, you see what happens there. So um, once again, I guess we keep getting wrong. So it's a matter of good versus luck. I'm not sure where he, where he lands on that, but he's certainly doing uh, the whole quarterbacking thing better than Dak Prescott is who. um, Yeah. uh, That's a lot of money for Dak Prescott. Yeah. Yeah. I I think in a lot of ways, um, what, what I'll say the Vikings are, is really cool about what they did though with Kirk Cousins. And I think this was, became very obvious under Mike Zimmer. I think with the talent that they've acquired, um, first of all, good on them for, for getting the talent, right? Like drafting Justin Jefferson, um, developing Adam Thielen, um, you know, Dalvin Cook. They've gotten good at getting getting really good talent. But also having the um, having the awareness to let go of Mike Zimmer and bring in an offensive coach has done wonders for that team. So um, not every team is really good at <laughs> at you know, having this sort of awareness, but it's it's working out for them um, and good, good on the Vikings. But um, t- on that note, like, they're ceiling. They're 8-1. They're great in an NFC conference that is that is not great at all. Um, like, what's the possibilities for them? I, I mean, this year, considering, like, what the NFC looks like, I, I, I'm not going to – I'm not gonna say like Super Bowl, but I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, watch how the rest of the league is playing right now. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't the Vikings go and take it all? I mean, like they're just showing up everybody, and this is like it's like it's insane, you know. And then here's my team tied for second, or you know, second in the NFC. So hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Screw the Packers and the Bears. Suck it. Um, but, yeah, no. Vikings are just – like I mean, if they continue this, how kind of mediocre I've watched all the other games of the NFL this season, there's just nothing in my mind that says, oh, there's no way the Vikings aren't going to make it. They can damn well run their way right to the the, um, the championship right now. So um, I think that it's very possible. I think that you, you can't rule that out whatsoever. I don't care if it's – Minnesota and their curse or whatever they're they're, uh, they're playing really well right now. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think the I think the the ceiling is the Super Bowl. Why not them at this point? They have a team of destiny kind of vibe going for me. And you know, look a- after everything we've seen so far, you know, why keep doubting them? I think they could. I think they can make that run. Um, obviously, it's a long way before uh, we get there. You know, um, but at the same time. Look, uh, nobody's stopped him yet, really. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, I, I think they can go very far. Um, yeah. I mean, Justin Jefferson, catch of the year. Like, things are oh really, like. It like, looks fake. <laughs> yeah. Like, just a, just a crazy season for them. And, um, you know, the way the investment they put in the team to, to build around it is impressive. Um, what, what about the Cowboys ceiling? Like, I, I, I think. I mean, the Cowboys are playing phenomenal defense. I think the Vikings ceiling might be a little bit higher um, because they're going to be able to have a home playoff game, um, which if you're Kirk Cousins, like that's the best-case scenario. 
your playoff games being one o'clock in Minnesota. <laughs> but you know, Dallas, unless the Eagles drop off the face of the earth, they're going to have to go play on the road in the playoffs. So for me, I think Minnesota's ceiling is a little bit higher, but uh, same question about Dallas. Like, what do you think their ceiling is for, for the season? I mean, I think they can, I think it's making the playoffs and maybe getting a win. Um, the division has been, you know, we, I, we, I trashed it in preseason. Uh, I've been totally wrong. Currently the, I believe the entire division is uh, in the playoff picture as we speak right now. So, you know, it's tricky, but you know, look, I think they can, I think they can win a game maybe, but that would be a little bold. Uh, I think going on the road would be tricky for them, but that's, that's it for me. I, I don't think, I don't think they are poised to really make a big run at all. Yeah. I'd say that they, they'd get very lucky to even win a playoff game and I don't want to see that. So hopefully it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but they're, yeah, they're just, they're not serious enough. Like when, it, when times are like, crunch times and these like three games they've lost four games whatever um it's just disappointing losses so uh yeah they'll be they'll be lucky to, to get to the playoffs and come out with a win all right well it should be a really good game um i'm taking the vikings i don't know how the cowboys are favored um but i like minnesota how are they favored that's why what does vegas know <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, like it's, it's one and a half. It's basically a pick them, but I mean, I still yeah. don't understand it. I'll say this, like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Minnesota is coming off, like, an emotional win, like, beating the Bills the way they did. Like, that sometimes teams have a letdown moment a week later, but I, I think the Vikings deserve to be favored. But it is it is close, but I think the Vikings are going to win. Yeah, I'm yeah, I the Vikings, too. <laughs> I really I like Minnesota here as well. Um, the Cowboys have that kind of, you know, vibe where their odds are always inflated because of the brand and et cetera, et cetera. You know, the Texas Texas A and M sort of deal. Uh, you know, and, and now I think about it in a weird way. Dak Prescott kind of is the Jimbo Fisher of NFL quarterbacks. Anyways, <laughs> both both peaked both peaked around 2014. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, so anyways, yeah, no, but I, I like Minnesota here at home get to get the job done and, you know, beat a Dallas team that I think is uh, very okay. Yeah, we definitely I'm pretty do. sure, I'm pretty sure Dak Prescott was drafted in 2016. So that's wild. Hey, but... hey, he, he, led, he led Mississippi State where uh, was yeah. pretty good in 2014 though. That was, yeah. yeah. No, that was good. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> all right. Uh, but yes, all right, you're let's, right. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to of our next um, NFL game, and uh, that is Chiefs and Chargers. Um, Chargers played a a tough game against the Niners, lost um, five and four, not necessarily. The AFC West as a whole has been, like, really mid. I mean, we thought the AFC West was going to be a gauntlet. AFC West is very, very much mid. Um, The Chiefs, obviously, the cream of the crop, though. Um, they're playing good football, but, um, you know, Brandon Staley, a lot of people are questioning if he's on the hot seat If Brandon Staley were to get fired in the off season. Um, that would mean Justin Herbert would be on his third coach, um, since he's been drafted. So not necessarily great, but we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But I mean, the chargers, 
granted, they've had a lot of injuries, but, um, you know, just kind of like feeling like the team has been a bit of a disappointment. Um, right now, sitting at five and four, facing um, a tough Chiefs team. Like, do you guys think Brandon Staley should be on the hot seat? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't say just yet. I think the inner, in, uh, the injuries have obviously been bad and you know they're at a they're at a place where they can turn it around now if this thing gets really really bad then yeah definitely you know the nfl is a tough place to keep a job in um but right now i I think it's easy to blame it on injuries and hope for a turnaround yeah yeah i feel the same because i like you just you want to be able to see what they can do and what can happen with this fully healthy roster so i just feel like it's going to be this coaching or carousel or whatever I just say stick with them and, and, and run with that at this point. Yeah, I think there were moments last year where Brandon and Staley definitely cost them games uh, with mismanaged, like, calls, some of the fourth down calls, you know, just bad situations. I remember, like, you know, he, him screwing up the Raiders game last year when, like, you know, they could have both, I think, gone to the playoffs or whatever if, like, I forgot what the situation – it was just, like, really bad. So, like, I like there was multiple situations where I was like, okay, Brandon Staley's got to, like, fix, you know, his decision-making and get better at that because, like, it, it was bad last year. This year, um, I think the team just has been through a, a few things. Um I, I think Staley is still struggling a bit, but um, I mean, on the hot seat, I think you know maybe we'll see. The Gret's the great thing, sort of, about having uh, a young quarterback that is like Justin Herbert. I don't think you necessarily have to make um, rash decisions about who you hire unless you see regression from that position. Um, but at the same time, third season. Uh, you're watching guys like Tua, Excel. Um, you're watching who else was in that draft class? I forget. Um, it's escaping me. Joe Burrow, uh, Sam draft class. Obviously, he's been to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you think a guy like Justin Herbert may be the, the best of all of them, and he, he hasn't seen the playoffs yet. So I think if they miss the playoffs, they're going to have to have some tough conversations in that building. But I mean, all is not lost in terms of making the playoffs. It's just going to be tough. But obviously, beating the Chiefs will turn a lot of things around and change a lot of people's opinions um, if they are considering letting go, parting ways. Uh, if they are considering parting ways with Brandon Staley. Now, the Chiefs are favored by six and a half. Um, Chargers five and four versus the spread. Um, I I feel like coming off of that. Um, San Francisco loss, we kind of saw the Chargers just um, aren't necessarily like as in sync uh, as we've seen the Chiefs, um, you know, obviously been have been this year, even with the loss of Tariq Hill. But I will say this, um, that Titans game the Chiefs played a couple weeks ago was really weird. Like how it was like a close game for most of it. And then the, like, I think in overtime, like, you know, Mahomes was just like, all right, let me win this game. <laughs> so um, I, if they play one of those games, I feel like, you know, I could see a situation where um, Justin Herbert can make some plays and, and win the game. But um, 
I don't know. I personally would pick the the Chiefs for this game, just because I don't think I don't really trust the Chargers' offense right now. Something isn't right. I think they, you know, have some work to do as the season goes along before they can hang with the Chiefs. And we all know. And sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to also add: we all know Chargers' home games aren't really Chargers' home games, so that doesn't help them either. So. Yeah, especially with a fan base like Kansas City's. Uh, That is basically Arrowhead West. And really, you know, that stadium is, insert uh, original, you know, road team stadium's name, West. Um, Because it's it's that bad. So Kansas City usually does take these games over. uh, And they, I believe, have a pretty good record on the road in Los Angeles uh, whenever they play the Chargers. I am just kind of putting that off the top of my head, but I feel like I always see Mahomes do a lot of magic out there. And I think it's going to roll over here. I, I think uh, Casey gets a win on the road. You know, they've just kind of been rolling. They've they've been winning, you know, uh, obviously had uh, a couple, had that weird kind of crappy loss to the Colts on the road. But um, other than that, you know, they lost to the Bills straight up, who are a very good team. And, you know, it's, other th- I, I think they're going to roll through and get a win against a team they're very, very familiar with. So give me KC. Uh, spread, a little bit trickier, though. Yeah, I'm definitely taking KC here. Chargers have just been, you know, sucked all year. And I just can't even, like, I can't even take you ahead and, like, her on my fantasy, you know, because it just sucks. But, um, yeah, I'm taking, uh, definitely taking whatever. I'm sorry, I have a headache right now, but uh, I'm, definitely <laughs> okay. Kansas, I'm definitely taking Kansas City in this win. All right, fantastic. Um, perfect. Well, let's move on to lock of the week. Uh, lock of the week last week was not kind to Bobby and I, but Lexi got another win. <laughs> I feel like I'm coming Lexi. back. I was one and four. <laughs> Lexi's on a roll, man. Like I'm like I keep looking back at the the log of the week, and I'm like, man, Lexi is really making like some smart like choices. All all you did the past two weeks is uh, bet the other team to cover against Alabama <laughs> on the road, which Just is a fading Bama. It, it's a smart bet. It's a smart bet. <laughs> um, okay, so last week. Um, Lexi, the, the Alabama Ole Miss spread was 11 and a half. Um, Lexi did win by um, taking Ole Miss plus 11 and a half. Um, Bobby had Bills minus three and a half. Uh, obviously, that was an L with the Vikings win. And then I had TCU at Texas over 65. Um, that could not have been more under. I don't even know. Like, it was probably 20 Like was the total for, for that game. Like, that was, that was embarrassing. I actually should have taken the – UNC uh, Wake Forest under that would have been that would have actually hit but um, yeah that that was L for for for, for me um, but Lexi's got the win so we'll let you go first with your lock of this week yeah so there's a lot of you know almost pick them type of things and I'm not gonna be betting on Michigan because I don't want to jinx nothing so <clears throat> I'm gonna take Vikings outright Vikings outright beat the beat the Cowboys. That's a good. Hey, that's a great pick, and you know that's the spoils of winning. Be able to go, you know, get get that good line, you know, off the top. 
Uh, I'm going to go with the Kansas City minus six and a half here. The Chiefs have done me well in the past. And not only that, but remember when I just spouted off that stat about how good KC is uh, in LA against the Chargers? They've never lost in Los Angeles against the Chargers. In fact, the last time they lost um, probably was in San Diego. I went back and I lost track and I went deep enough where they were still at Qualcomm. So uh, I would say that Kansas City on the road in Los Angeles against the Chargers. Pretty good, pretty good track record there. If, uh, you know, the last loss was at a stadium in a different city that no longer exists. So give me KC minus six and a half. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I I was going to take Vikings to win outright as well, but um, that's the benefit of, of winning Lexi beat me to it, which is all good, though. Um, lots of lots of <laughs> other great bets to choose from. <laughs> um, um, I like the Vikings a lot. Um, no, I'm I'm gonna take um, I'm gonna take the over on the uh, 42 of Michigan and Illinois. Um, for me, I could see it being a defensive game, but I just think um, Michigan has the ability to um, just score. Yeah, Michigan's ability to score, I think, will. Uh, put this over now the question is how much is illinois gonna score gonna score which makes i think the over under at 42 makes sense but um illinois is tough michigan uh i feel like can either score a bunch of points and make this you know a huge blowout where they score more than 42 or, you know, 40 or something, and, or 35, and Illinois scores 10. Um, or, you know, it's a closer game than we think and a high score game than we think. So um, out of all the other possible uh, bets on the table, I think the over um, for the Michigan-Illinois game is probably the, the best. Uh, yeah. for- I think I had like 42-7, so hopefully that hits for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Well, Appreciate everyone for listening. It's been a really fun show. Love to talk about football each week with you guys. Uh, we'll see you next week for um, some rivalry game talk. Uh, really, really exciting show. Um, and my heart, yeah, my heart is at anxiety one hundred. So. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of big big stuff coming. But appreciate everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Y'all yeah. take it easy. This is the Weekenders. Yeah.